There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lead with Empower podcast. We are joined this week by an old friend, (laughs) Springfield College graduate, currently a teacher, a coach, a PhD candidate, and we're going to get into all that stuff as we get into our episode right here. But without further ado, Mr. Farron Violet, hailing right now from Knoxville, Tennessee, joins the Lead with Empower podcast. Farron, how the heck are you? Thanks for coming on today. Feel good. Feel blessed. <clears throat> Coughing up a little bit at the moment, but um, <clears throat> other than that, feeling pretty good. Um, awesome. Happy to be on this podcast. No, happy to have you here. And uh, it was great to catch up last week. We had a little bit of a pre, uh, pre-episode call. It's been a long time. So, hey, tell everybody just uh, kind of the, the mm-hmm. short story. What are you up to nowadays? I know you're, you're teaching and, and you're doing some school and you're coaching. Um, just give everybody a little bit of background as to what you're up to these days from your professional career standpoint. Um, from a professional career standpoint, um, this in the career of education, <clears throat> our, our industry of education rather, and um, really just trying to figure out the next best um, opportunity or area of growth for me, that kind of lines up with what I'm doing. Um, as a coach, um, always trying to look at, you know, just <clears throat> probably going to the next level if I get an opportunity. A little, you know, age is definitely a factor, I guess. But nonetheless, um, just trying to figure out a way if I can um, get my skills up to the next level outside of high school sports and, um, you know, just um, take every day as a blessing. But um, other than that, um, professionally, um, not sure about administration, but at the end of the day, it's um, something I'm definitely highly considering. Nice. Like if uh, like a high school level administration position, that type of deal or? Um, yeah, high school administration. Um, yeah, most likely. Um, if not, you know, just probably getting towards out of the classroom and um, to special ed and the case management. Great. And then you're you're currently, in addition to, you know, so you're teaching business education and you're doing some case management in the special education department, mm-hmm. coaching football, which is out of season right now, but you're also uh a PhD candidate, if I uh, read read your bio yeah. correctly here, so that's yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm thinking about going to get on my PhD in SPED. Um, that's why I'm not really so sure about administration. I'm leaning towards special education, and um, you know, then the program that I have at University of Tennessee, I have the opportunity to do both. So, um, be able to teach and be able to um, do everything coursework wise as far as um, within a PhD track currently taking some classes um, to get a master's you know, in special education. And um, I don't know, thinking about it, um, pondering on it. So um, looking highly likely. Awesome. What's um, for you, what's, what's the draw? What was the draw to education? What's the draw for you now to be involved in special <laughs> education? 
Um, special education in um in education in general, um, is obviously um just from my mom. Um, at a point in my life, um, when I came left from Springfield College, I was looking at um going to work for Nike and marketing and all these other um business related things I was interested in and doing that stuff with AU basketball and all this other jazz and mom was just like, you know, you like coaching football, you coach football for a year, you know, um you're back home in Houston. You know, um if you want to coach at the high school level, you gotta teach. You have to like work in the in the, at the school. Yeah. So um you know found um a way into a school as a paraprofessional. Um started off then in special education and um from there on, got certified pretty quickly. Struggled for um, a few, um, more than a few years of not gaining employment. Has a special, um, as a special educator, or even as um, a certified teacher in Houston. From and then um, went back to graduate school and went to school for sports management. But um, in between that, um, as far as just around the education, it was more of a a path of my mom to tell me like, look, if you want to coach sports, this is what you have to do. This is just kind of like how it is in Houston. And it's more for insurance reasons, more or yep. less. Um, but it makes sense. But nevertheless, um, it got me into the classroom, <clears throat> got me into a job that didn't make a lot of money, but definitely got me some benefits, which was um, my mom was pretty much her pure intention. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, good, good reason to get into the field, obviously. Um, you're, you're into it a little bit right now. Um, what's been something that's, uh, that you enjoyed most about working with high school age students and high school age athletes and what's been, a, you know, so your, your biggest enjoyment about that. And then something that you feel is, has been a, it's been a challenge about working with uh, young adults well, at the high school level. <laughs> Well, the only reason why it's a high school level is because I refuse to work in the middle school. Um, <laughs> since a personal, personal preference of mine, I've had my um, had the opportunity and experience um, substitute teaching uh, while I was at Springfield College at um, at a, a charter school um, at the middle school level. And, <laughs> Substitutes yeah, are walking um, into it, man. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it's um, dodging bullets. So. Um, <laughs> Other than that, um, wasn't sure if I was ready for elementary level. Um, I found out, you know, at that it's real tender age in my opinion. In, in my opinion, rather. So for me, it was just a issue, of just like, well, you know, high school, you know, got to separate yourself, wear some corduroy pants or whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, get a scruffy beard and just let it grow, I guess. But um, <laughs> but not um, just kind of because I was real young. And I got an education as well too, so um, just had to um, figure out how to um, walk a little bit of a different path and and um, just try to grow and get my certification and pay my roles and dues within that um, you know, within that particular industry, along with coaching and being able to volunteer and do a lot of various different things with football specifically, just learn how um, things are managed and operated. Great. So paying, paying your dues to kind of get that experience with, uh, with hopes of, you know, keeping the advancement going. What, um, yeah, I'm, I, I, I love football. We, you know, I didn't have as long of a, a illustrious a career, uh, at Springfield there, but was, you know, fortunate enough to be involved in the program. 
Um, it's it's been a big part of my life having a father as a coach, and I, there's lessons from you know playing as a as a young high school athlete or college athlete that stick to me or stick with me to this day as a 40 year old. Um, what for you? What's the draw to football for you? What is it about football that has you know caught your interest? Um, obviously the obscurity of the rules, how they kind of um. They, you walk between a lot of gray lines and blurred lines. Then obviously the team format, um, you know, it's um, when, when I was in high school, one of the bigger things that was amongst many other like philosophical things that was like preached to us in Texas was, was you know, um, you can do some things in between these lines that you can't do anywhere else in life. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and I mean, it's in, in, when you understand it, you know, a lot of things, adverse things, a lot of things that are um, bonding, a lot of things that are um, within a sport that you just enjoyed as a child. Um, that's really just a part of the, even just ingrained in the culture, yeah. um, the local culture or even within a whole state or region. Um, you know, it's put on a different platform too. Um, you know, even the student aspect of it, how I embrace it, how I chose to embrace it, as opposed to how, you probably could have, or, you know, just some of the age old things that, um, you never hear about in Texas, like a high school varsity quarterback failing a class, <laughs> you know, so, um, it's, 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 just, um, one of those sports where I just always, um, I just grew up around it, you know, um, yeah. and I never really, um, feel normal if I'm not around it. Um, it's, it's, um, I guess I want comfort food for somebody else or anybody, you know, it's just um, the one thing, even if I'm volunteering or even if I'm um, paid on staff or just an opportunity to um, embrace that environment, it's kind of enjoyable for me. It brings me back to my childhood and a lot of things that I found a lot of peace with as a child. Um, but since I didn't have a crazy background or anything like that, but it was just, um, that was, hey, when it, that was what was fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. So it's only right for me to say it's still fun for me now. It just hasn't changed. <laughs> That's great. So you haven't <laughs> retired from enjoying the joy of it, just retired from playing it. <laughs> no, no. From, um, um, what is more, I guess, you know, more appropriate name would be um, hurt the man with the football, you know, in the front yard and yep. <laughs> all that craziness and, you know, got stitches from running in the mailboxes as a kid, <laughs> you know, playing football <laughs> in the street. Like, it's, um, and baseball as well, too. So it's like, you know, just a little bit of fun, you know. No, absolutely. Now, um, I'm I, I'm not from down the Texas area, but obviously between books and between movies and television shows, there's the, you know, the the importance that that sport plays in, in certain areas of, of Texas is – obviously the stuff in the books and on TV is, is glorified and mag magnified, I think from real life, but how, how big was it, you know, high school football from the, in the Houston area. And then you make the jump to a small division three college football program in Western Massachusetts. What was, was high, the high school football landscape in, in Houston? Was it that big? Was it, was it massive? Did it blow the kind of the D3 experience out of the water as far as, you know, how many people went to games and that type of stuff? You know, what is, um, I guess what we see on TV or in, in books and movies, is that semi-accurate in your, in your perspective? 
it was a culture shock to say the least. Um, <laughs> it was a complete culture shock. Um, you know, as an eighteen-year-old, um, I embraced the challenge of um, just being in a position to play football was was better was good enough for me. Um, I didn't really get um, not to like say I was like the best athlete ever, but no, it was um. My senior year, I didn't get to, I didn't play as much as I really wanted to. Um, I know I know everybody wants to play every single down, um, but there was a lot of I mean, it's oogah for talent, and um, friends with them still to this day, and um, it's just one of those things where it's just like you know, just became a role player wide receiver, you know, um, had um, didn't really have too great of hands, but just really had good footwork and ran good routes. And um, from there, kind of just um, just embrace opportunity. I really didn't want to walk on anywhere. Yeah. Um, was looking at some schools on the East Coast specifically because my brother went to school in New Jersey, and um, kind of just followed, you know, what I really want to do as far as being a, at that point in time an athletic trainer, and um, which kind of got me to Springfield. But <clears throat> was looking at possibly even trying to like walk on at Hofstra. Yeah. Um, was looking at Duquesne and Pittsburgh. Um, just, I don't know. I don't think I was, I was a little bit too undersized to be a D2 athlete at the time. Um, wasn't sure if I was ever going to go to the dark side and play quarterback. Um, <laughs> just really like wide receiver and running routes. So, um, you know, and then obviously, like, you know, with, with Texas, we ran, the, you know, ran a lot of sweeps and tosses and stuff in middle school. So um, we can cut black in middle school. So it's like, it was, um, you know, just the aggressiveness of it is um, something I, you know, was just, you know, this is something I can excel in, especially yeah. at Springfield College um, on that type of offense. And then, um, you know, just everything kind of just worked into place for me as far as the football atmosphere on like campus and sports in general. I kind of just... I think I just made, you know, not to sound like I'm, at, you know, don't send this to admissions. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just really just think as far as my, my football personality, I made the best choice I could make. Yeah. Um, as far as what I wanted to do for school, I think I made the best decision I could make. Um, I could have gone to, you know, you know, Little Fish in a Big Pond type school, you know, double directional state, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, Southwest Idaho, um, Jersey. So, um, but no, it's, um, I really wanted to play football. I wanted to play all four years. I didn't really want to, um, put myself in a position where I'd have to dedicate my whole life to a football field, not even have a scholarship and stuff like that, or be in a position where I can't really focus on my education as far as what I really wanted, I thought I wanted to do at the time. I did a complete 180. I went to business. So, um, you know, and I, my dad still to the day, like, he should have stuck with it. I was just like, I don't know, man. I just, you know, trainers get moved around a lot. And I'm just like, well, you know, had a great program, loved Dr. Redmond. And it was, um, it was a great experience my freshman year. I think I should have stuck with it, but I didn't. And um, switched to business, did a complete 180 to business management, kind of stuck with the entrepreneurial side of things. And, um, I learned a lot about management, which was um, really helpful for what I want to do with coaching and things like that. And being in some position where you can at least um, impact people's lives and be transformative. Yep, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah. So you kind of answered, answered a couple of the questions I had, you know, moving forward, um, you know, besides football and, and I know the athletic training major was probably a draw, you know, what was it about, you know, the, the campus at Springfield college? Was there, was there something that caught your ear or caught your eye? Cause I think it's different. Um, I, you know, from my experience, I thought yeah. Springfield stuck out compared to some of the other schools I was looking at. What, what, what was it about the, the campus or the people at Springfield college that, that caught your attention? Um, I hate to say it. It's not, not to be cliche, but it's, um, I've been on a lot of campuses when I was in high school, like yeah. um, between Rice, University of Houston, San Houston State, Prairie View, um, Texas A&M, um, Blinn, um, you know, University of Maryland. Uh, went to a lot of different like random schools when I was in high school. Um, was really interested in going to Syracuse for some odd reason. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know why, but, um, but nevertheless, um, it was, it's just one of those campuses when you got on there. It's like, I knew it was small, but it seemed like, you know, hey, you're in this kind of like this little bubble, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's not like a soft, cushy bubble. It's like, it's definitely, with the, with the amount of people that are just in that small area, it can be kind of condensed yeah. and not really overpopulated, but it can be like a very, you know, competitive environment. And, um, you know, rising, you know, it rising to the occasion or putting yourself in a position where you can um, do more or learn how to do more than just go to a class or actually, you know, put things into action or put things on um, some thoughts or the whole experimental side of what they did at the undergraduate level and even at the graduate level. It's kind of why um, it was different from going to a traditional research school. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was more specialized in something that I was interested in doing. Uh, it's definitely a niche uh, industry, but it's something that um, I've been a part of and I wouldn't, like, you know, wouldn't mind um, making a living working within in some aspect. Yeah. Um, it's just funny how, you know, everything that you do in education as a, you know, as on the academic side completely correlates or it's very similar to what you do on the athletic side. Um, it's just making sure it's applicable and um, maybe sure, making sure you understand the appropriate strategies. It's kind of, um, I've learned the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, for me, it's just like, it's real easy to say this stuff off the tip of my tongue, but um, I, I failed gloriously, um, attempting to do a lot of different things. Um, but also been in a position where I could be, um, you can be kind of corrective on your own on your own things and kind of uh, lead in a different, you know, lead through normalizing the air, as um, Henry Wong would say, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But um, but actually, uh, you know, learning from it and doing something different, um, and trying to improve and you know applying some of the things that because I've I've worked in cash last seven years. I've worked in four different states. So um, between Texas, Virginia, Connecticut, and um, now Tennessee. Um, been kind of like hopping and skipping around. So being in different public education systems, different roles, um, different school dynamics and stuff like that, coaching some different sports and stuff, getting that out of my belt. And um, 
just trying to um, apply everything out at the same time, making sure I'm not doing too much, but like, just like now, kind of busy doing a little bit of everything. Yep. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> thinking back to when you were 17, 18 years old, and it was time to move from Texas up to Western Massachusetts. Was that, was that difficult for you being that far away from home? Talk a little bit about, cause I know like there's a lot of students that are in that position right now where, Hey, the high school time is coming to an end. I can go here and be, you know, hundreds of miles away from family, which sounds great, but internally there's also that, well, what if I need something like, right, right. how, how hard was that for you? If it was hard at all. And I, I guess, what were some of the things you did to prepare yourself for, for that big jump away from home? Nah, I wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that, it was like, you know what I'm saying? It was, uh, we just, you know, did nothing. No, I'm just, <laughs> nah, man. Um, it was probably the hardest thing in my life. Um, yep. it's, um, it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's, it's cause of all my problems. And no, I'm just messing with you. Um, it's really, um, it's really just um, one of the things I never really prepared myself for um, life after college, going back home yep. um, and, and nobody knows you. <laughs> <laughs> like Nobody. And abs- like, you're just pew. No, then I'm like, yeah, you're like in the fifth largest city in the nation. Like, yeah, it's, it's all right. Like, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, more than humanizing <laughs> yep. financially at least. Um no. <laughs> but um no, it was it was just weird kind of um not really recreating yourself, but kind of um learning how to assert yourself professionally. Um that was probably the most difficult thing and being ambitious and and um having all these wild ideas that you probably could have capitalized on and been on the forefront of and like kind of the snap your fingers and like dang get mad and I just judge you late 30s about three forties. No, um those kind of things I don't really regret, but it was really just more of um it was more of like dang like you really don't kind of appreciate the fact that in your circle at your high school people know you understand you. Yeah. Um once you leave that once you leave that area, you've left that area. Um your family may be there, everything else may be, you know, they remember what they remember, just like you remember what you remember. But um, it takes a lot of um, internal. It takes a lot of fortitude. Um, it it takes a lot of um, trust. Um, it it takes a lot of eating um, Kool Aid and a pack of hot dogs because you don't <laughs> got any money in your scan card um, because you're a freshman and you don't know any better. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was my life before freshman camp. Um, but no, nah, it, it, it's um, it's just a lot of um, you're not going to get the answers. You better come up with the answers. It's kind of like the Springfield College way. Like you got to figure it out. You're going to have to find a way. Um, yeah, get your get your hands on it, right? Get your hands dirty and figure it out. Yeah. You know, you're gonna you brought up fa- like you brought up failure, which you know I think is an important part in anybody's development, right? And we you try hard to minimize the <laughs> how big the yeah. failure is but in reality like we don't make progress towards becoming the best version of ourselves until we trip up a bunch of times and find that internal fortitude to to get stand back up and keep on moving forward um 
<laughs> no, like knowing that and, 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 you know, I think you value the importance of, of, you know, failing and learning from those and getting better from it. Like, how do you, as a teacher, as a coach, how do you promote that or bring that concept up with, you know, with the students that you're teaching or the athletes that you're coaching and leading to say like, Hey, if you're that paralyzed in fear of failure, you're holding yourself back from being the, the absolute best that you can be. How do you, how do you bring that topic up or breach, even breach that concept with the, the high school athletes that you're, you've either are around right now, or you've been around, you know, in the earlier part of your education career fair? Um, individually, first of all, um, uh, you definitely got to do it individually. You do it group wise and it's like, no, nah, it, I mean, you, you definitely want to set a standard um, of, of, of how you want to do things and how you want to communicate. But I mean, at some level, this has got to be something that's done individually because, um, you know, instant gratification um, is not a problem with society, but it's just an obvious thing that's going on. Yeah. in society so it's when you're trying to you know impress on people certain qualities and skills you, you have to be very unique and creative you know somewhat individualistic in how you do it um and approach that particular concept or lesson that you're trying to um impart upon them because you feel it's going to connect with where they're at at the levels of what they're doing in their role um or even kind of finding their role, you know, if it, you know, that whole self-identification part as an athlete, um, as far as like, what am I trying to do with this? Is this something that I really want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, this approaching individually. And then um, at the end of the day, um, kind of put yourself in a position to where even as an instructor, you know, like the whole concept of failure and not knowing it's something that you not necessarily that you're gonna to have to face, but it all comes down to a decision. And if mm-hmm. we can narrow it down to one or two decisions, you know, um, it's not necessarily that you're you're not gonna fail. It's just that you may not fail as often. And, yep. um, you know, um, you know, I'm very um, philosophical, so I try not to like get up here and start preaching and stuff like that, or like getting overly spiritual about certain things, but the reality is it's, um, you know, it's, you're, you're not perfect. Um, mm-hmm. And even though you're, you're attempting to be perfect or you think you're trying to perfect a skill, um, there has to be some connection um, with the whole group, some group, you know, group collaboration, some connection, but ultimately there has to be some understanding that you want to know what, a lack of not have, making better decisions is going to lead to failure yeah. all the time. So um, um, just really just putting yourself in a better position to where you can approach that to somebody individually because being able to take the, 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 the whole brunt of that particular concept of failure is different. Um, people have a different concepts of reality, <laughs> um, much more different than ours when we were in high school as well too, or even at any level. Um, because there's some there's some gratification that we've never really understood or could control or can't control rather. So um, you know, just approaching it individually and um, just like they say in the classroom, having diversified objectives. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same. You know, it, it's really putting yourself in a position where it's like, you know, this is not the time to talk to this person about this. 
Um, This is, you know, maybe this situation going on somewhere else is impacting this. Maybe this is not the perfect time to sit here and give them the the full or the full honest, like truth of like what they're doing. Maybe this is the best time to just say, hey, this is this is something that you did right. Um, And so, you know, um, are not really just saying anything negative at all, because maybe negativity is not something this person can definitely handle. Um, whether it's the less vain or more vain player or athlete or student um, to the one who, you know, seems like they're, you know, they're wearing the same clothes every single, you know, for a week, you know, for a week straight, you know, there's, you never know. It's really hard to estimate in general, in general ways, how to, um, how to empower or even how to like motivate people. So you have to be kind of creative and very individualistic. Yeah, no, that, and that's, that's a huge point because, you know, one of the things, and it's been a recurring theme in a lot of the, uh, the podcast episodes over the past year and change, like the importance of connection and relationships in leadership, right? You, if you, if you never really take that step to get to know somebody beyond like oh, the face, you can't it's, it's really effectively worse. lead. It's the worst. I mean, I, I mean I, I've, you know, not even really effectively lead or even connect the real like sort of that mentorship relationship. Yeah. Which I think is probably the biggest thing that um I never really took um took opportunity to um utilize when I had an opportunity to was um mentorship yep. and guidance. Um, you know, from anybody. Um, doesn't really matter. Um, you know, towards I'm a very hard headed person. Um, but nonetheless, it's um, you know, the, the the value of mentorship is um is unbelievable. Um, even somebody that's won't even take out the time, um, or even somebody that thinks that they're qualified enough to do it, because um, there's really no like certification board for mentorship. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of just like yeah, this your uncle Jimmy or something like that. I don't know. Um, but no, it's really um something that. You, you know, once you get an opportunity to connect with somebody and do all this network, and then it's just like you get caught on red. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, dang, man, this was a high school break. Like, this is professional stuff. Like, this is something I'm like, did I let me reread this? Like, <laughs> let me have somebody else read this. Like, you know, even that, that um opportunity to know is this like maybe this is not how they conduct business. Um, or even, you know, um, Sometimes when you follow certain individuals on forms of social media, how you get kind of get caught up in the the algorithm um, of like what you of what you're doing and just like hey like this is kind of like this is not going to really work out like that you know um and then you don't really you got to understand that you're following and you're not necessarily like leading or doing anything and you're not creating the engagement or the content you're kind of just caught in it. but yeah, I think the opportunity to do it is um, I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think the opportunity to engage in is is, I don't know, it's just yeah, I think it all really comes down to being creative. I think the biggest thing that my mom when when she kind of got me into told me to get into teaching was just like, it's like you can actually just work good on your feet, yeah, and you can think quick. So it's just like, if you can understand the content and you're able to communicate and think quick, you can always be able to teach something. So, um, you know, that's kind of, kind of how it's worked in my opinion. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's it can be difficult for some people, I can imagine, though. How – actually, two, two questions. The first one, prior to going to Springfield College, you, you've brought up your mom a couple of times and that the kick in the rear end to get into education. <laughs> Would, yeah. If you had to pick one person and one experience prior to college – that looking back on it now as somebody in their <clears throat> you know, or late 20s joke, uh, <laughs> but, you know, someone who's in, in, in adulthood right now, if you can identify one person and one experience that had a, a positive impact on who you are today, what would that, uh, who would that person be and what would that experience be for you, Farron? Oh, there's, man, there's, there's a lot. Um, not sure exactly what direction I want to take this, but um, you could take it whichever far, way you want, my friend. <laughs> no, well, uh, I mean, it's it's just like different stories and just quick little short anecdotes and things like that. Um, um, probably um, a good teammate that I played football with, um, Quentin Griffin. Um, he had this crazy training regiment, and um, when I was in middle school, um. I happened to know him from Little League. We played on the same Little League team. And um, he was a year older than me. And um, his seventh grade year, he, like, was killing it. And um, I remember after the season, we were, like, at lunch or something like that, had the same lunch period or whatever we were talking. And um, he's like, what are you doing for working out? And I'm like, I'm doing this, 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 and this. And he goes, oh, man, I go, like, to my, my grandfather's, like, trough. I'm like, I'm like, and he runs in the trough and I'm like, I'm like, dude, what? And I'm just like, and I'm just like, well, man, I just like, I kind of just, you know, go to my grandparents' house and I was, you know, when I'm not at home and I like run like the little bayou and stuff like that oh. right next to the, to the freeway. <laughs> Me and my brother used to do that. And I'm just like, you know, it's, um, it was just one of those things where it's just like athletically or just somebody that just wanted to just try to be the best was on was not just doing the same thing as me but was like literally just at the same thought pattern of how to um push themselves yeah and um not knowing what it'll be just kind of push yourself and trusting in yourself and um building a little bit more confidence in what you can do um what you claim you can do because you know Ever since we were little, he was always fast. Like even I knew him from little league track as well. Um, was just like a gifted individual. Um, and then um, at that point, you know, you get older. How do you maintain it and stuff like that? And oh yeah, he was maintaining it. <laughs> and um, I mean, it just kind of just put me like in a position where it's just like, well, dang, well, there's so many other ways that you can get bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah. So um, even though it didn't really work out for me that way, I stuck skinny. But um, at the same time, <laughs> still trained my trained my butt off. Like you know, it was um, it you know, I was gonna do something with it. Um, and I'll ask the same question, but related to Springfield College. So your four years there in undergrad, a person and an experience that had a lasting impact on you, and why? Um. A few people, obviously, I'm going to try to limit it as much as possible. First one would be uh, John Wilson. 
Um, um, I'll also say, um, I'd say Dr. Redmond and, um, and I'd also like to say uh, <clears throat> Joe Parrish. And um, give us a little bit of a snapshot. Doesn't need to be a huge bio as to why, but give us a snapshot as to why those three people ha- had a lasting impact on you. I mean, um, I, I you know, it, it, it took a lot for me to kind of put things together. Um, like any, I think that's in college or that transitional phase of life. Um, really, um, really just think them, you know, think it was really just cool that they gave me an opportunity to um, be myself. Um, I think um, the outlet coach DeLong provided with football is, was more than, um, was more than beneficial with um, yep. keeping me in line. Um, and probably why, um, you know, I, I never really wanted to go back home to Houston. Um, it just was fun playing football. Um, but, you know, as far as those three individuals academically, um, Dr. Pitts was kind of just like, you know, kind of just like, you know, sat me down in his office once or twice to just like, where are you at? Like, <laughs> where are you at? Wasn't even my, wasn't even um wasn't even a person I was assigned to, but just even as a department chair, it's just kind of just like pulled me in from like left field. It's like, what what are you doing? And um, obviously, Mr. Wilson for um, being everything that he was in Springfield College. So right now, right, you're you're in education, you're coaching, um, soon to be chasing down the PhD. One of the <laughs> the the ways we define leadership is in levels right and the first level and you touched on this a little bit earlier is that that internal thing like how do you how do you push yourself through challenge or adversity you know leadership of self is um you know in our our belief with the before you can effectively lead other people you have to be able to lead yourself through challenge adversity fear how and, and you haven't been in the spot yet where you're juggling all four right teaching uh, handling special ed cases, uh, coaching, chasing down the PhD, kind of in the future visioning or the plan for that, when you're going to be in that position, how do you anticipate being able to manage and juggle the responsibilities that are going to be flying from all kind of four parts of, of, of your professional career or what will soon to be your professional career, um, what are some, ta- you know, strategies and, and tactics you envision kind of implementing so you can be as successful and po- as possible in, in that endeavor? Um, get, reading early, um, getting ahead um, is something that um, I've kind of had to work on embodying, um, but it's very important for anything that you're trying to manage. Um, think of um, with a full... Everybody says think with a four o'clock. How can you say think with a four o'clock thing? <laughs> um, no, I mean think. I live my life in fifteen minute increments, so it's it's kind of <laughs> easy for me to like kind of micro digress things and and kind of like move accordingly or not seem like I'm in the moment, but I'm thinking about three or four different things. Um, 
it's kind of weird when you understand things that are um, at a different perspective or as many as many perspective as possible. Um, I think in life has offered me that opportunity in more ways than one. And um, but more importantly, um, you know, just kind of put yourself in a position where you can think ahead as much as possible, and you can use that foresight to kind of plan your present actions. Um, can it's like you know speaking into existence and and all those other um, somewhat cliche things. Um, <laughs> another big another big management thing for me would be to um, to more importantly write it down, um, yeah. write down in, in any way possible and document it. Um, even if you don't go back to it, you can't say that you don't understand it or you never wrote it down. Um, that's an easy way to manage stuff. Um, as far as all four of those things for me specifically. Um, like not sleeping. <laughs> um, <laughs> Take advantage else? of um, all twenty-four hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, sh- um, I'm a, a fruit ninja. Um, <laughs> what else? Um, gosh, plant-based diets. Um, I don't know. <laughs> all types of different things. Um, no, I think I think the biggest thing is going to have to be. Um, being able to prioritize and um, get ahead. Um, things like football um, should be able to get ahead of, um, yep. should be able to plan um, plan accordingly because um, things are somewhat set minus like a pandemic, you yep. know? So <laughs> um, hope none so, of those are thrown back in front of us in yeah, the near future. So 98% of the time things are kind of set. <laughs> Basically that's what you're telling. Now, um, mathematically that is now. Um, <laughs> 1906, 2020, uh, so <laughs> 2%, we'll use it. Um, but no, knock on good wood. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, the, um, no, I think as far as management skills, like getting ahead is like probably the biggest thing I've figured out, try to like get ahead of everything. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> it doesn't matter if you repeat yourself, you, you have to copy and paste your way through it, uh, rearrange it, edit it. Um, even you know, <clears throat> putting down like base emails and never drafting emails, um, drafting responses and stuff like that. Um, scheduling for the scheduling for the small things, yeah. not scheduling for the big things. Um, everybody's got like, oh man, I gotta gotta put everything on my schedule. No, like I only put small things on my schedule. I should know the big things. I should know when I need to wake up to go to work. I need to put that down for my schedule. Like I put down like the small things. Like the small things are important. Um. And, and that's another cliche thing, but it's definitely a, a very more um, positive thing to do is worry about the details. Yep. Um, details are really, really important. Um, I, I was told while I was at Springfield College by a professor that I'm, I'm a um, jack of all trades and master of nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but nonetheless, whether she was right or wrong, um, the professor rather was right or wrong. I, I really think it's um, important to understand the details and kind of be a jack of all trades and yeah. um, be knowledgeable about things that you're not supposed to be knowledgeable about. Um, be understanding and caring of things you're not supposed to be understanding or caring for um, because it's, you know, kind of the thing that brought me into special ed, um, just kind of like working with the students that people really don't want to work with. Yeah. You know, for me at first, it was kind of like, it's marketable, you know, you know, special education, math, science, English, you know, you would have been hired yesterday, 
you know, then I hired not history teachers and PE teachers and business teachers. You know, I've been blessed to be in a situation where as much as I've moved, I've been able to fall into um, a teaching position outside of the fact that teachers are in demand in every single state that I worked in. But um, to even be able to teach the subject that I teach because it's so specific. Yeah. So, um, and um, being able to teach some different things that um, that I never really have to teach, but like accounting and, and different forms of management and leadership and, you know, UGABs and stuff that, you know, I never thought I'd be able to teach when I was in Texas, probably like five to seven years ago. Yep. No, that's great. That's great. And, and I think great bits of advice there for, you know, I think anybody who finds himself in that, in a multitask, uh, multi-responsibility environment is, you know, pain. I love that the pay attention to the things that you're not supposed to and, and take care of the people that you're not supposed to maybe necessarily take care of. It's great, great message for people that are either going to be finding themselves in those spots or, or are currently in one of those spots where they're juggling a lot of responsibilities. Um, beyond like obviously as a teacher right you have to teach certain content right if you're teaching math like at the end of the semester your students should be able to do x y and z um what's something that you hope to impart upon your students that is maybe that maybe goes above and beyond like the content matter what's as they say a life lesson that you hope to or a, a couple life lessons that you hope to pass along to you know, either the students or the student athletes that you, that you currently work with, Farron? Well, uh, <clears throat> two-part question, loaded answer, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> well, um, no, I think for, like, the students, um, my main thing is, um, for me, it's been to um, try to try to be I've always tried to be a little bit as accepting as possible um just so they can feel kind of open to communicate and learn or um even express themselves um but the biggest thing I really want for them to do not to be funny even though it probably is going to be funny um or come out that way is that I really want them to pay their taxes and I really want them to um to like make sure like you know um that they understand that they can work for something mm-hmm. you know um I don't really think I don't wish ill will on anybody, but I really have a problem with the fact that nowadays it's cool not to work for something yeah and and more importantly like. You know, I don't want you to rob me. <laughs> you know, I don't, you don't pay taxes. I don't want you to go to jail. You know, um, I don't want you to put yourself in a position where it's like, you know, you get caught up for doing something illegal when it's not even illegal or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's kind of important for me academically for them to understand not just business, not just like accounting, uh, marketing or something like that. It's really understand. It's like, look, man, you need you're probably gonna have to work for something because it ain't that easy, but you'll make a decent amount of money. And two, like, make sure you pay your taxes because like citizenship is real important. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are kind of just worried about themselves. Um, it'd be kind of smart to kind of understand there's more people than you, 
and um, you're not going to be in high school forever. So when that whole this whole thing concept of reality hits, and you're not in your in your area, or you're not in your comfort zone, you're not in a position where, you know, the bell's gonna ring. You know, <laughs> you know, you get to hop on the school bus and not worry about it. You can, you can't. You know, there's no bus driver that you can yell at <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's you, you got to be able to um, find a way and figure figure out the some of the tougher things in life. Yeah. Um, that we all have to face, but um. You can change by your perception. Your perception. So I mean, just citizenship, man. Being, feeling like you're a part of something will change exactly how you approach certain things, um, even if it's not amongst a major group of society. Um, as far as athletically, um, to use football for what it can, uh, what it can bring to you. Um, um, I don't think, you know. Um, as a you know a D three football player, <laughs> um, we really just got the full benefit of um, everything that you can get from athletics um, financially, um, or anything like you know with gifts or anything of that nature. Yeah. But um, the intrinsic things and the um, and even some of the things that you can benefit that are outside of the, that are not intrinsic, that um, they can be motivators or um, things that you can most likely attain for for various reasons. You know, seek towards that. Um, let that be the reason. You know, um, a lot of people um, love the game, like I do. A lot of people are just in a position where they can use this as a um, a, a means to an end. And um, at the end of the day, people that love it are using it for a means to an end as well, too. Mm-hmm. So as far as athletically, do it because you love it and you can get something out of it. Yep. Love it. Love it. Makes sense. You touched on a couple minutes ago that, and I, I see it again in a lot of the adventure programming. It's like, Hey, you know, middle schoolers, here's the challenge, right? I'll give you, here's the rules. Here's the challenge. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to try to problem solve it. And then we'll start the activity. And one of the first questions I, I, I am asked typically is, well, how do we do it? And well, it's part of the, part of the journey is you're going to figure out <laughs> how to do this challenge and, and you know, eventually we'll get you to the finish line. Um, there is that that really, really heavy need for immediate gratification, which is a challenge, right? And and yeah, um, you know, I think the things that come easy and come immediate in the long run aren't the things that we're most proud of in our lives. It's those things where we have to grind and work hard for, and maybe trip up a few times that we look back on and say man, I can't believe I made it, but I did. And I'm, I'm at the finish line and I, I completed it or I graduated or whatever it might be. So we know there's a challenge there. What's something that inspires you? I, I'm a chip on the shoulder type person. I'm a prover. I've got to, you know, I, I like proving people wrong. Um, I don't, I'm not like, I need haters type chip on my <laughs> shoulder. Um, I like, I like proving people wrong. Um, that's one thing since high school that I've always kind of, um, my personal mantra that um that kind of gets me gets my leg moving now. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm talking to, you. but no, it's like I, I really enjoy proving people wrong. It's like um, uh, I I really like the I I like to compete. Um, you know, I really like to um embrace the challenge of some, especially something positive. Um, I'm a very um mellow person in in all in all actuality, but it's like. 
there's nothing. That's probably why I like football so much. It's just not necessarily aggression. It's a competition title. Yeah, it's a unique form of competition. It's something that I feel like I can. I'm in a privileged position that I can participate in. I could um, had a chance to participate in. Um, but you know, yeah, proving somebody wrong is like my main motivation. It's like I'm a I'm a chip on the shoulder type person. Um, you know, I'm not always trying to be the first first in the you know first in the morning there type person. Sometimes I am not necessarily the biggest overachiever, but I am. I like to prove people wrong. Nice, love it. Um, we are on the home stretch. We have uh, Mr. Farron Violet. He's a business education teacher, uh, special education case manager, assistant high school football coach, and soon to be a PhD student down in Knoxville, Tennessee. He joins the Lead with Empower podcast. He's crushing it just like he crushed the stock blocks uh, over <laughs> on 263 Alden Street on the rug back in the day. Um, we're on the home stretch right here. I got a few quick hit questions. So quick question, quick response. Are you ready? Take a deep breath. These are the heaters right here. The high, hard ones. No one. And if you're, if you're a Houston Astros fan, no one's banging on the garbage can to tell you what pitch is coming either here. Okay. It's all right. No problem. Man. They're, they're in the blinds behind me. They flash the blinds. So I can see. <laughs> we got um, tricks over here, man. We got tricks. <laughs> They're ahead of the game in Houston. <laughs> yeah, um, it's more than it's more than pine tar, buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Growing up as a kid, your favorite athlete or role model was who and why? Um, hate to be specific, um, because it's too um, there's too many. I used to do book reports when I was a kid in um, elementary school on um, black athletes specifically. Um, Dr. Dale Robinson, um, Willie Mays, um, all types of stuff. Um, so, um, for me, it, it would, as far as athletically, it would be, um, it would be just any black athlete. Yeah. Um, that's something, why it's because my father, um, that's just something that he just like, you know, you're not going to see many of them, so you better make sure you know them all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was kind of his thing. So um, know them all and get those cards first or whatever, you know, one of those type things. And then um, when he realized I was a little gym rat and a little sports nut, so he just kind of just, you know, made sure that, you know, whatever books I was reading were like autobiographies, picture autobiographies of black athletes. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Good start. One, yeah. one for one there. Um, if you could actually before that one, a lesson from your parents, like what, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to be as tight as possible. A lesson from your parents that you learned as a young Farron that to this day sticks with you on a daily basis. Oh, easy. I'll say it in my personal finance class. Um, the best time to look for a job is when you got a job. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Best time to look for a job is when you got one. Beautiful. Beautiful. And did that come from mom or dad or both? Was that a team effort? Dad. That dad? dad. <laughs> hey, look, man, best time to look for a job is when you got one. I'm like, what? He's like, is this what I'm saying? The best time to look for a job is when you got one. 
I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. <laughs> um, if you could give, if you could go back in time and give one bit of advice to 18-year-old Farron Violet, that bit of advice would be what and why? That advice would have been to start that business and the other thing would be um, take more risks. Great. So you're saying moving from Houston to Springfield wasn't a big enough risk? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, you know, it... You know, yeah, it was a it was a risk because it could have gone it could have gone wrong. Um, there could have been a lot of different factors, but you know, especially private schools like college education is kind of like you're protected and you're protected in a way. Yeah. So, um, and then um, you know, I think everybody wants the this wants that similar privilege when they're in high, when they're in college. Doesn't matter what college you're at. Doesn't matter, you know, if you go to community college, everybody wants to be treated like a college student. Yeah. You know, so um it 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 protected me at least. Um and at some level, um, I think it it provided a lot of things too. Um things I was interested in, things I wasn't even aware of, um, things that, you know, I'll never forget. Um that were, you know, maybe the amount of money that was spent for tuition, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, try, I, I tried to bury that in my brain too. The tuition. Yeah, <laughs> I try to try not to not try not to bring that up. But um, <laughs> that transi- that transition or that choice was purely out of um a philosophy that I had about reality. Um, at 18 years old, um, which is kind of it, it seemed to be working out pretty well. Um, and that was pretty much you know, my both my parents went to HBCUs, um, and. My brother didn't go to HBCU. I didn't go to an HBCU. We both went to small private PWICs, private white institutions, yep. <laughs> colleges um, in New Jersey and in, in Massachusetts. And um, both were somewhat faith-based um, private schools. Um, and, you know, it's, um, yeah, you know, you're kind of in, in that zone where it's like certain things, you can control certain things. And um, if you know how to control yourself, which thank God I did, um, you know, you can kind of kind of dodge a lot of the, the drama, um, yeah. um, which is, you know, a blessing in disguise being from a, a larger area where um, that was probably no different than the amount of people I had in my high school. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that, that kind of worked to my benefit. So um, and then um, obviously um, trying not to stick out just trying to just be like everybody else. Love it. Not You're a risk. In... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Farron, you're obviously you're teaching business education, high school level students. If you were sitting down in front of a group of young ladies, young males who were interested in getting into entrepreneurship, getting into starting their own business, what bit of advice would you give to that group of uh, that captive audience about entrepreneurship and, and, and business? Um, one, pay your taxes quarterly. <laughs> um, two, I would say um, don't think for small businesses, that is, um, 
you're not going to be able to sell or um, make a decent amount of money if you're not serving anybody or you don't care about what you're selling. Um, your product has to serve something and you and or you have to care about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you can't do those two things, uh, one of those, probably not going to make that much money. Um, and lastly, um, keep your family and your business completely separated. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. There it is. From the Violet School of Entrepreneurship right there, the top three hit list right there. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And, and last last question here, Farron. Um, leadership is, you know, obviously we talked about the ability to kind of coach yourself and, and then there's the, the definition of leadership that people always go to is like, well, you know, doing stuff with other people, right? You know, bringing people together. You know, one of the, mm-hmm. the thing that is, or one of the aspects that's often forgotten about is kind of the legacy a, a great leader and a great person leaves behind with people maybe once they've moved on. What do you, and by moved on, not like not necessarily passing away, but maybe moved on to another job or another state or whatever it might be. What do you, what kind of legacy do you hope you leave on the students and the student athletes that you're currently working with? What's, what do you hope is like one lasting bit of you that leaves, you know, that you leave behind with those, those young adults that you're working with now? Um, I hope to leave um, um, with Dr. Redmond, um, Dr. Fr- um, Ted France. Um, I like to leave um, like a, a Jack Hollick, a, a coach along, um, even like um, somewhat of a father-like um, experience, like my for my father, um, that I receive from my father with the people that I teach and I coach. Um, I want them to um, understand that I'm, you know, I'm doing this for a deeper reason than than a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm good at what I'm doing, and um, I'm not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, the, a lot of different, you know, aspects of people that have impacted my life. That's what I want them to see. Is but it's the biggest thing. Outside of that, is um, you know, I'm not doing this for the money. Maybe teaching. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> but for the most part, I'm definitely not coaching for the money. Um, maybe teaching for the money. It's a lot of money. Um, <laughs> pays a good pays a few bills. But no, um, just really just there's a deeper reason. Um, and I'm. I'm doing this because I'm good at it. I'm not doing this because I can pay bills off of it. You yep. know, there's probably some other things I can do with my time. Um, but this is what I choose to do because I like it. I care about it. And, um, you know, a lot of people get lied to these days and I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. You may not like it, but you're not going to, I'm not going to lie to you. Great. Love it. Love it. Well, Farron, man, it's been a pleasure having you on. I uh, appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to do this. I know you had a lot of things going on this afternoon and uh, we, we dodged all, we dodged any and all distractions during your, your visit here, but uh, really appreciate you joining us today, man. No, I appreciate being all, um, invited and participating. Um, yeah, it's just, um, everything's great. Love it. It's a great environment. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And ladies and gentlemen, that is, 
was Mr. Farron Violet. He leads with Empower, crushes it, like I said, like a dominating stock block uh, on uh, the triple option into the boundary there. Um, and, hey, if you if you take – I mean, there's plenty to take, you know, from uh, uh, the conversation here with Farron today. But one of the things, again, that sticks out to me is, you know, in the middle of the episode talking about – you know, caring for those little things that maybe you're not supposed to care about and, you know, taking care of those people that maybe, you know, people don't expect you to take care of. And um, if you do those things, you'll know that you, uh, you had a, a, a positive leadership impact on those people in the community that you're in. Uh, thanks again for checking us out. Hope you have a great week. Remember to be courageous, be kind and get after it. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead. They do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them. And they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy.